Welcome to another episode of the LeafCast. Takes by Leaf for Leaf. Yo, I want to welcome back the audience. I know I've been off the uh, podcast for a couple of days here, just dealing with some things, um, celebrating Father's Day, all that kind of good stuff. But the news never stops, and um, depending on how you look at it, the comedy never stops either. So, when last we left you, the president, as always, you know, is in a tailspin, numbers going down, shit don't look good. So, it's like everything else, when things don't look good, you go back to the things that previously worked for you, right? You roll out your oldies but goodies, the shit that, you know, previously worked. So... Let's put this in context. There's a pandemic. There's literally close to 118,000 people dead. We're in a recession. Shit's going down. And the president's response to that, let's, let's set aside. Let's just set aside for a second all the shit about black folk. Let's set that aside. So he's got these things going on. And the thought process for the president is, let's have a rally. Like rallies work before, let's do a fucking rally. So there's some problems with the rally. One, every scientist has told, like this is the thing that you know it's a bad idea that the Republican party can't roll out one scientist, one doctor, who's going to tell you that somehow going into a crowded room with no mask on and yelling and chanting is fucking safe. That's not going to happen. So, again, let's go back to the oldies and goodies, the shit that worked for us back in the day. Boom, man. Let's go and do a rally. So one, the rally meets the reality of A, we're still in a pandemic. You can't wish away the pandemic or ignore the pandemic. It's still here. People are dying. So that's one healthy health concern. And then the other one, which is, you know, again, so now let's bring back the plight of black folk. So it's like, again, black people, have been shown on videotape in the last month being systematically murdered, beaten in the streets. Like this is indefutable. You can't argue it. It's just been happening. And unfortunately, that's just a small snapshot of the shit that is going on for over 400 fucking years. So the president says, hey, I'm going to do this rally and I'm going to do the rally on Juneteenth. Um, Tim Scott, 45-year-old virgin, um, alleges that the president didn't know. Let's assume he doesn't know. doesn't really matter, but he tried to kind of stick to that for a minute. I'm going to do the rally, do the rally, fuck it, fuck it. So finally they convinced him, don't do the rally on Friday, do the rally on Saturday. But still, it's a death rally. Like in my mind. So here's the thing. Here's how I know it's a death rally. 
because these motherfuckers had to get the attendees to sign a waiver to be like, yo, if you get sick and die from this shit, you can't blame us. So I'm always a cautious person when it comes to these type of things. We're always assumed for the worst. So I just assumed on Saturday there was going to be a race riot. Like I totally was like Saturday race riot. There's going to be angry black folk out here. There's going to be angry white. And, and the thing is, it's so funny. They tried to do this whole thing, a comparison between, well, there's, you know, Black Lives Matter protesters and no one's talking about their masks. What about us? Why are they uh, COVID shaming us? It's like, well, first of all, the Black protesters are outdoors. And the scientists have said that being outdoors somewhat negates the ability for you to contract the disease. But again, that's negates. It's not foolproof. So I please do not think for a second that going out and protesting is safe. But the other part that I don't think people that under, you know, kind of appreciate, it's not an apples to apples comparison. And the reason why it's not an apples to apples comparison is because guess what? Black people are dying. We are being hunted in the fucking streets. I don't recall any MAGA supporters being hunted in the fucking streets. I don't recall any MAGA supporters having their voter rights suppressed. I don't recall any MAGA owners suffering from redlining, redistricting. I don't recall them any, I recall them benefiting from those things. So you've got two things. You've got people protesting over being subjugated and treated like second class citizens. And then you've got on the flip side, certain Democrats, let's not say all white people, but a lot of white folk that are just mad. Mad that they are now being called out for the shit that has always happened in this country. But the problem is, while one is a righteous anger as it relates to oppression, the other is comes from this defensive posture of and, and and remember this didn't start one of the reasons that Trump won in 2016 because he ran against this fear of the browning of America. Statistics will tell you by the time we get to 2032, white people will no longer be the majority in this country. So one of the things that white people have tried to do, they've really got up on abortion. Like we don't want to kill any good white babies because we need these white babies. And the other thing is we got to fucking kick out these fucking Mexicans. Kick out the Mexicans, keep giving inadequate health care to the blacks, and that's going to hopefully keep our numbers in place. So... There's legitimate anger on both sides, but I think that there's, you know, the underlying reasons for the anger can make one group more sympathetic as it relates to the protests, to seeing a whole bunch. Look, I turned on the TV Saturday afternoon, and there were some white people who were, uh, they were, they were outside camping out for the Trump event. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Again, I, I, I'm, everybody's got to do their thing, but like the last motherfucking thing I would be doing 
would be like, you know, just camping out in the middle of a fucking pandemic. You just, just, there's just nothing in my mind that's positive that can come from that scenario. So, anyways, this is this this is going on. Um, Trump does his rally. I do some other shit. I forget about it. I come back and later on, I'm seeing the coverage where they counted 62,000 people attend. That's a lot of people. 62,000 people. But the arena was for 19,000 people. And leading up to the rally. You know, all you can hear from President Trump was talking about this is going to be a million motherfuckers have signed up for this. There's so many people. We've got an overflow, uh, you know, um, event. So, you know, Trump can talk to the people outside, talk to the people inside. Like, it's just going to be so many motherfuckers. So, clearly what happened? I don't know. There's many different reasons for what happened, but I do know this. Only 62,000 people showed up. That's still enough for that to be a super spreader event. Where meaning like multiple people can be uh, infected with the disease, can be non-symptomatic, can carry that disease home to their loved ones, uh, potentially the, you know loved ones that are at risk, and this is how the disease spreads. This is it right here. So if you want to know, like, well, well, what's a super spreader event? It's a fucking Trump rally. So I will say this: big ups to the sixty-two thousand people that was like, yo. I'm willing to risk my life. Because they weren't even saying again, like, yo, this shit is safe. They were like, yo, this shit's not safe. Yo, sign some paperwork, you can get up in here. And I'm like, yo, unless Trump is, like, giving me a significant amount of money, like, as a white person, like, if there was, like, a check for 50 grand or something like that, I just couldn't see a reason where I would risk, you know, getting infected with a disease to see this motherfucker. Like, I just, I just wouldn't do it. Um, so one of the things that came out of the rally, first of all, you know, these Trump rallies are basically Trump just kind of, you know, just improv. Yeah, he's doing his own improv thing. He's just saying shit. It just goes wherever Trump goes. And the crunk Trump, you know, the, the crowd is screaming for him. And it, it is what it is. There's a certain, because look, he's boiled it down to, there's just a certain type of white person that's into that shit. Typically, they're uneducated men and women. Or, you know, that's white people. That's typically the people who are out here at these Trump rallies. You have another tier of white folk who are like, look, I'm just going to hold my nose and put up with this shit because this fucker's going to give me the tax breaks that I need. But the core guy who's going to run out, you know, into a motherfucking pandemic with no mask on and clap for Trump it's typically a motherfucker who has, you know, a high school education at best. I'm not trying to disparage people with high school education, but what I'm talking about is there's just a level of sophistication that these white motherfuckers have that are out here supporting him. You know, I think if someone, you know, uh, kind of made the comparison, this is like a you know, basically like a NASCAR audience. <laughs> you know, so, so that's who's kind of coming to your event. But look, they're, look, NASCAR makes good money. We'll talk about NASCAR at a later date, but here's what it is. So these are the people that are at the event. So he's at the event and he's saying, hey, you know, we should stop testing, you know, or slow down the testing for COVID-19 because when we test more, we're getting more positive results. So that's why the numbers are raised, rising. 
Well, here's some problems. So, I, first of all, it's amazing that someone needs to explain this. This is common sense 101 here. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a white guy who works at Wawa, who was never, you know, all he has is the GED, or, you know, you're, you're a broker on Wall Street. Why do people test? You test to see if you have contracted the disease. Whether you are symptomatic or asymptomatic, whether contracting the disease makes you sick or not, the concept is now that you have the fucking disease, you can spread it to others and they may be more susceptible than you. So the concept that you would rather close your eyes and not know if the motherfucker who is working at the grocery store, giving you your groceries, or the motherfucker who's bringing your Amazon packages has a fucking contagious disease is, it's, 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 it's remarkable that this is the conversation, like literally everybody can agree that we are in the midst of a pandemic, a contagious disease that's killed over 100,000 people. But yet now we are having conversations where the president of the United States is suggesting that, hey, maybe we slow down the testing because that will make our numbers look good. Fucker, people are dying. I just want to make sure you understand. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is a ridiculous concept on its face. And the argument that is being made is one that literally takes common sense rolls it up in a ball, and kicks it into the fucking alley. That's where common sense is. Common sense is rolling down the fucking alley while we are sitting here listening to a dude tell you things that inherently you must know are false. But anyways, don't let me get too started. Um, I hope, you know, calmer heads prevail and we'll continue testing. Um, you know, it would be the equivalent if you just said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to engage in unprotected sex, and I'm just not going to take a pregnancy test, and that'll prevent me from finding out whether these women are pregnant or not. That's what this shit is. This is President Trump trying to fucking raw dog the pandemic. You're not old, dirty bastard. And even they made old dirty bastard apologize for y'all the for you in the audience that don't know, younger members of the audience, older members of the audience. Uh there was a rapper by the name of Old Dirty Bastard. Uh he came out with a song. Uh <laughs> Oh baby, I like it raw. Um, that was the name of the song. That song came out in the mist of the AIDS pandemic. And um, they got to that nigga and they was like, yo, what the fuck? And he literally changed, had, had to do a PSA on Hot 97 to say the only thing that he liked raw was his music. I was just joking. 
because people was like, you've gone too far. Unfortunately, with the president, no one is making him say a PSA. They're just like, oh, that's Trump just being Trump. Fuck it. So let me read to you from this article. This is, again, these are the real stories. These are stories that you can't fucking make up. It's from the Washington Post. What if President Trump's most trusted economic advisors will leave the White House this summer amid one of the worst economic crises in decades? So let me just pause there for a second. This would be the equivalent. If my house had a toilet and it overflooded and there's just shit, there's literally defecation just flowing out of the toilet. The guy that I have called to plunge the toilet and stop the flow of shit from oozing out of the toilet in the midst of the job of plunging the toilet, his fucking feet and ankles or knee deep or ankle up, ankle deep in fucking shit and piss. And he says to you, I gotta go. What the fuck? What the fuck? Like, let me, so let me just continue on with the article. Kevin Hassett, who returned to the White House as an unpaid volunteer in March, said in an interview that his departure was in line with the administration's initial plan when he was brought back. Hassett said his agreement was to, was to return to Washington for about 90 days, and he has already stayed for more than, amount, more than, more than that amount of time. But Hassett's upcoming departure could alarm critics who worry the White House lacks respected economic officials to guide the nation through the economic calamity. Let's make sure, I just want to give this a little text or teeth here. So we're in the midst of a recession. We have the highest unemployment levels since the Great Depression. The guy, the plunger, who's supposed to solve this is leaving. And his response to why he's leaving is that he signed on for 90 days and he's already gone past the 90 days. So let's go back to the imagery of your plumber. Now he's fucking calf deep in shit and piss. It's now overflowing from your bathroom and it's out in the hallways. And he turns to you and he says, I've been here for an hour. I've been scheduled for an hour. I'm at an hour and a half. I think it's time for me to go. Does anybody else want to take the plunger? So, this guy has its pending departure, comes on top of another of other White House economic officials leaving months before presidential election. 
Those who have announced their departures in recent months includes Andrew Olson, special assistant to the president for economic policy and director of White House ne National Economic Council, Eric Euling, who served as the White House Director of Legislative Affairs and played a, a key role in negotiations with Congress over the stimulus, and Joe Grogan, Director of White House Domestic Policy. So think about this. Every motherfucker, if you just look at their titles, I've not even gone through their backgrounds, but if you were to say to yourself, hey, man, some shit's going down, we're in a recession. You would think the people who hold these illustrious titles of special assistant to the president for economic policy and deputy director of White House National Economic Council, you would expect that these would be the motherfuckers that you would want to help you solve the problem. Instead, just like Kevin Hassard and all these dudes, these motherfuckers are jumping fucking ship. Why do you think that they're jumping ship? What I would argue, somewhat to the plumber analogy, that these motherfuckers are now hip deep in shit and piss, and that water is now overflowing all into the carpet, all into the living room, all over the floor of the house, and they've decided we don't have any more remedies. We gave it our best, coach. Now we're getting the fuck out of here, and the next guy can claim responsibility for this shit. Pun intended. But before you get too alarmist about Kevin Hassert for a minute, I want to just give you some background about my boy Kev Hassert. Kevin Hassert was criticized for circulating a chart that appeared to show corona deaths plummeting to zero nationwide by May-November. So, let me make sure just to give you some context. Again, there's not a fucking, there's no, there's no scientist, there's no doctor who's telling you that the shit is about to get better. So they had to find Kevin Hassel, who's an economist by trade, and this motherfucker, who's not a scientist, this motherfucker who's not a doctor, came out with a chart that would demonstrate that the deaths would plummet to zero nationwide by mid-May, just in time for Memorial Day. How convenient. So you have to ask yourself, Mentally, if, is this a motherfucker that we really need to keep? So in some respects, maybe it's a gift that this motherfucker is leaving now because he appears to be a fucking moron. Let me talk more about Kevin because I find it interesting, just like Larry Kudlow, a.k.a. Kudlow, just like Ron Navarro, a.k.a. Ron Vera, 
these motherfuckers, when you look back at their bios and their backgrounds and their pedigree that got these jobs, you realize that this administration has been running by a fucking bunch of clowns. I mean clowns. And the only reason they're allowed to get away with such buffoonish behavior is because they're white men. You want to talk about fucking white privilege? Look at these men. They are objectively poor at their jobs. And yet they retain their jobs and continue to tell you things that you must know, acknowledge, are inherently factually untrue. Let's talk about Kev. There was an article called Dow 360 or 36,000. He co-authored this article with Kevin Glassman. Basically, the book's title was based on a calculation that an an absence of equity premiums excuse me, in an absence of equity premiums, stock prices would be approximately four times as high as they actually were. In in its introduction, Glassman and Hazard wrote that the book will convince you of the single most important fact about stocks at the dawn of the 20th century. They are cheap. If you are worried about missing the market's biggest move upward, you will discover that it is not too late. Stocks are now in the midst of a one-time only rise to much higher ground to the neighborhood of 36,000 on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 10,000 on the day of the book's population publication in October 1st, 1999. The Dow peaked at 11,105 days later, then declined 37.8%. So let me just go back because that's a lot of numbers just thrown at you randomly. And let me just try to distill this down. These two fucking ass clowns wrote a book and they predicted that the Dow would hit 36,000. Their thought process was, again, I'm going to read this straight. Here's what they wrote. The single most important fact about stocks at the dawn of the 20th century, they are cheap. If you are worried about missing the market's biggest move upward, you will understand that it is not too late. Stocks are now are the midst of a one-time only rise to much higher ground. So he's saying, buy now because the market is going to go up. 
The market later declined by 37.8%. This dude is a fucking clown. Paul Krugman argued on the faculty website that the book contained basic arithmetic, arithmetic errors and was a very silly book. Come on, man. Statistical blogger Nate Silver described the book as charlatanic and suggested on empirical grounds that the authors had failed to notice at the time of the writing of the writing stock prices were at were as overvalued at any time literally in the history of America. Think about that for a second. These motherfuckers wrote a book. This is what Kevin Hassard made his bones on. By predicting this huge leap in the stock market, that they were trading at 10,000, he thought they'd get to 36,000. They later declined by 37.8%. This motherfucker's a moron. But he was the face of. Trump's economic policy to uh, rebut the recession. Again, I don't know if that's a good news. I don't know if that's bad news. All I can tell you is news. But here's the thing. We're only in June. The election is in November. Here's what you got to understand. This isn't just a guy who's fighting for a second term. This is a guy who's fighting for a second term because he knows if he loses, he will be prosecuted at the very least in the state of New York. He is an unnamed co-conspirator in the Michael Cohen case. This is real. This is why Barr tried to, or he ordered the initial assessment to fire the New York State AG. New York State AG refused to be, uh, to be fired. Barr then said that Trump had instructed him to be fired. Trump later said that he had knowledge of the firing. So we're not going to get another impeachment, right? I don't think we have enough time. And quite frankly, does it even really matter at this point in time? Black people are getting shot in the street. White people are living are leaving nooses in NASCAR drivers' locker rooms because people don't want to see the flag of a fucking treasonous army who lost into defeat in an in a, in, a, in a, they literally were terrorists. 
People are mad because they no longer want to fly terrorist flags. This is just the beginning. The disease has not reached its apex yet. 29 states over a seven-week, a seven-day period have, in, have noticed incredible spikes and contraction of the disease. It's all going down, ladies and gentlemen. This is just the beginning. I wish I could leave you with a happier note. Um, I wish I could leave you with some, you know, enthusiastic commentary. But I think the bottom line is this. You have a part to play. We have a part to play. Whether you like it or not, whether it's something that you're comfortable with or not, now is an opportunity because of all of this strife to engage with your white friends because I know you all have white friends that have reached out to you in an effort to get comfortable make themselves feel better while they watch the help and watch niggas get shot in the street. And while they may not be fun conversations, you got to implore these white folk to get out here and vote. As much as you have to implore your own brothers and sisters to get out here and vote. If anything that we can take away from the government oppression that we are experiencing, that it is being implied or applied by a fucking clown and a parade of fucking clowns. So again, take yourself back to that metaphor. The toilet is stopped up. Shit and piss are flowing the fuck out. If we don't vote, if we are engaged, you should just assume that the whole house is going to be flooded. Yo, I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the LeafCast. In closing, like I always want to say, stay safe, stay situated, stay calm, stay positive. Peace.